Iowa everywhere. John Miller, Chris Williams, from the Channel Seed Studios, it's Miller and Williams, presented by Wild Rose Casino and Hotel. Three locations in Iowa, three times the fun. You'd rather be here. This is Iowa Everywhere. Good evening. It's probably good morning, to be honest with most of you. You're probably listening on Wednesday morning. We are recording this on pretty late in the evening on Tuesday, the 26th of September. My name is Chris Williams. I am joined, as always, by the Prince of the Parlay. He is John Miller. Made a lot of people rich over the weekend. Now we got to fade you, Miller, because you're winning too much. You know, you're right. I mean, last week when we recorded this, I had played 46 parlays since week zero, and I had won six. Um, but I was still profitable on the year. So I will put it this way. You know what I did last week. It was a legendary week. It was and iconic. You're, yeah, you're the one that says they're sucker bets. They probably are. Um, but I will say this. I funded – so I have rules. I have limits. I will not uh, risk more than $1,000 per through the NFL playoffs and Super Bowl. Okay, so that's like six, seven, six months, right? If I have a thousand and I've lost it, I'm done. I'm not making any more wagers. So this year, week zero, I loaded my account with four hundred dollars, and that was four weeks ago. Okay, pure parlays. I topped over five thousand dollars this weekend. So what I did is I brought two thousand dollars home, it's sitting in the bank. It's never going back in this year, and from now on out, baby, <laughs> woo wee. You thought I was taking chances before. We're taking <laughs> chances now. You're gonna I'm lose not it all. Going, I'm not, but la- that's what I did last year. Last year I got up three grand. Same thing. First four weeks of the season, up three grand. And then I started making 250 wagers here, 150 there. I made a pl- straight up $500 wager, and it was gone in two weeks. And I was so pissed at myself. I'm like, John, you're you're dumb. This year I'm not doing it. I'm gonna continue to make wagers in the same you know, the same amounts that I've been making so I can keep going. Let's see if we can take this to 10 grand. All right. That's the goal. The Prince is 10 grand or bust. That's it. The Prince of the parlay, John Miller. We are presented as always by our friends at Wild Rose Casinos in Clinton, Emmitsburg, Jefferson. They're a partner of Circus Sports. Our friends at Circus Sports. I got the Circus Sports hoodie on tonight. If you're watching on, if you're watching on YouTube, or if you're listening anywhere, we appreciate it. Talk to John about the situation at Iowa. Uh, we'll, we'll get into that probably for most of the show. I want to encourage everybody. I did a podcast today with Dan McCarney uh, for the CW pod, which was awesome. You know what, the, John, the older I get, and I'm 39 now, I really it, – it's – not that I didn't appreciate those guys, but like I've, I find I have this like craving to like get them on the record and to do shows with these legends. Cause it's, yeah. it's you know what I mean? Cause you know, someday Dan's not going to be here. Someday we're not going to be here, but people will be able to go back and like today he just, I asked him about like some of his memories and he starts, you know, Mac just gets choked up. Like he's just an emotional guy and like people, will, the, those words will live forever. And I, I don't know. I don't know what it is. If I'm just getting more 
you know, I mean, you experienced that with Zabel for how many years? It's like every show you're sitting there doing with the guy and you're like, like pinch me type moments. That's how I am right. sitting there doing a podcast today with Dan McCarney, right? And I've done yeah. probably a dozen with him in the last couple of years. And it's just really special. Yeah, I mean, that's how I would probably feel like, you know, 10 years from now when Kirk Ferentz is about 10 years into his retirement, um, that I'll feel that way because uh, I have a great affinity for Kirk and I totally get that. And I, I just think the older we get in our own individual lives, the the greater the frequency of gratitude, we have feelings of gratitude and talking to someone like Dan you know, you were there when he was there. Uh, you were just a pup. But, um, you know, and in Dan's situation, too, he's got to be in his 70s now uh, or pushing him. Um, man, you just look back on people, places, and things with a great deal of gratitude, and you want to express it. And at times, the emotions are just incredibly thick. I, I'm dealing with that now as a dad. Like, every year, we have a family routine where we go around and we say nice things about, and good memories about that person on their birthday. And this year for my birthday, my oldest daughter, Grace, said that, um, you know, after a long thing, she said, she's like, you know, Dad, I feel like I've always known you. I feel like you and I have lived multiple lives together. Uh, it's just this time around, the universe knew that I would need you as my father. Dude, I couldn't speak. Yeah. I've never felt that way in my entire life. I literally had the wind knocked out of me. And uh, yeah, I think it's just a natural thing, and it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, Dan and I have a history, too. It's not not a bad one, but like like you said, I was a, a puppy is being kind to what I was. You know yeah. my background more than anyone. Like, I got thrown into the 10-foot. Yes. I didn't have, like, I went from being basically a high school senior to a semester of writing sports club beat writing at the Iowa State Daily to I was covering a Big 12 program with really mm -hmm. no editor. You know, it's like wild, for real, and I'm not, yeah. I'm not taking shots at those guys. It's just like it was just like, okay, here's the keys to the car, and so and I, I did the best that I could, but I was also what 19 and probably, I'm definitely dumb. Um, in, I don't know intimida how intimidated in in media sessions. It's like really intimidating when you're there with a bunch of older people that don't like you. <laughs> they did not like me. And then on top of it, like, I didn't really, I hadn't been trained in any of this. And I, I did my best. And I have to think I did okay for his, but like, Mac was kind of like, you know, who the, who the fuck is this guy for, right. for a while, right? Because I'd say stuff. I'm like, it's probably why I look, some of the readers liked me because I would just say what I thought. I wasn't indoctrinated into this, you know media society or whatever it was it was you i kind of like you right you, you were the same way you weren't this like newspaper writer or anything that worked into what you were doing but dan um i don't think he ever disliked me i i don't i don't think that that's ever the case but i know he that i got under his skin for a while and we've, if, we've talked about it yeah. and it's great now to be able to like go through that and we can go back on old times and we we laugh about it now sure right yeah there was the time where you and me and Dace did the Thursday night show on Mediacom where mm -hmm. you guys hosted it. And then you would bring me on 
is like the sidekick or I don't even remember what my role was. And Dan, have I ever told you this story? No. So this was my senior year of college. And we did like the preseason show where we all make our season predictions. Well, you know, I, I was friends with a bunch of guys on the football team. Best man of my wedding was on the football team, right? Like the, it was a weird kind of deal, but whatever, it worked. And I go to practice because this is back when practices were open. Like you could watch every play of practice back in these days, which seems like an eternity ago. And McCarney is addressing the team before he comes over to do his scrum. And he goes, and I'm watching Mediacom last night and these three fat sons of bitches picked us to go four and eight. God damn it. And I'm like, hey, I'm right here. <laughs> Dude, that just kills me, man. Just like. <laughs> I never I can't believe I never ne- told you that story. I I never ever did any show thinking, oh man, Dan McCartney's gonna be watching this, or <laughs> Kirk Ferentz is gonna be watching this, or anybody's, you know. And, yeah, and it was that do. that freaking media com show, man, for the period of life where I lived in Des Moines and, and people recognized me when I went out, it's all because of that damn Mediacom connection show. That freaking people watch that show, and it cracks me up that McCartney, we triggered Dan McCartney. I feel like I just unlocked a life achievement. Not because it was Dan. I love Dan. Oh, yeah. But just that a coach is so pissed. Maybe that's one of the reasons why the Big Ten uh, Pulse got canceled after five weeks. Then again, we just sucked. <laughs> but that show, though, like it was, it was like the first of an era. Like it was the type of content that people really wanted and it is everywhere now, but that was the yeah. only place you could get it in our state at that time. You know, remember that? Yeah. Like, cause uh, sports talk wasn't really, I mean, it was kind of going, but not really the internet existed, but it was more like recruiting updates. It wasn't like guys giving opinions and stuff like that. Like that was a really cutting edge deal at that time. It was, and it was a pure opinion show with Steve and I, and um, it was an hour long, packed a lot into it, and um, you were a part of it. Other people came in and had some cameos. Uh, our bosses at the radio station like kind of put the kibosh on it because they wanted us to do that for them, which led to me getting a talk show on KXNO then, which led to Steve and I doing a show together um, after you know the big explosion. But yeah, man, I mean, it was, uh, it was the wild west. There were, we were writing our own rules as we went and it was a great time. <laughs> I thought that was funny. Every time I talk with Mac, we give each other a little bit of shit on that. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It was I quite it. the deal. All right. Let's, yeah. let's talk about this Iowa situation. Uh, we are here in the channel seed studios, Miller and Williams. Uh, you are going to see little ones walking behind me. If you uh, are Love watching it. on the YouTube we're uh, teetering on bedtime here on a night that my wife works late, so we're 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 scrambling the uh, luxurious life of the sports podcaster. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I really enjoyed your Sunday pod. It was very raw. The, I couldn't it, believe how long it was when I got done. That was good though. I I listened to the whole thing. I, I've I've kind of like this is where Chris and I have a hard time on on these reaction things because he's very much like this is my these are my thoughts right now 
Like, and, and he's really good at portraying that. I kind of more am like a big picture guy with Iowa. I'm not like that with Iowa State. I don't have the emotion towards Iowa. I like to look big, bigger picture here. It's a really weird spot because you've got this interim AD. You've got this contract with Brian Ferentz that I don't know what it actually means. I talked to you a couple weeks ago on this podcast about my fear for Iowa if I'll put it this way. I thought that that contract could actually be contradictory in them winning games because they've won a lot of games playing that way over the years. And when you're all of a sudden playing USC and like, I think Iowa would benefit from being a little bit of an outlier. And I, and I, and I still believe that what's interesting here though, John is I will keep pounding this pavement. Uh, you had really good analysis. I thought on Iowa's offensive line on your Sunday show, uh, probably some that made me double think some of my opinions. Uh, but I can tell you this, like th- this is a below average Iowa offensive line still like all, all, when it's all said and done, like it's, it's like rank the top 12 of the, how many years has he been there? 25, 24, uh, 99 was his first year. So this maybe his 25th season or 20. Okay. So let's take the top 12 Iowa offensive lines in the parents. This isn't one of them. Okay. No, no, it's probably not close. Um, the lack of evolution scheme wise, and then the, the, what's most important here, because otherwise we're having the same conversation that you've been having since the beginning of your career. The most important part to me is the off season in which it goes from fire Brian to holy shit, we've got all these new toys. We've got a quarterback. You know, Petrus was the problem. Uh, Now we're bringing in this guy from Michigan who played in the playoff. We're bringing in his tight end. Bringing in these new wide receivers. One of them's a guy from Ohio State. Oh, and now we're going to send them off to California to have a retreat and work on their seven-on-seven drills. And at the end of the day, and, and we're just four games in, but it it's almost worse in a way because you you know you're more talented, but the results really aren't much better at all. And what you know, I think my great fear here for Iowa is let's say that Ference is here for another five years, just throwing out a number. I don't know if you're going to be able to go find a Cade McNamara or a Caleb Brown in the transfer portal again. Why? money is one thing, but these guys all are trying to get to the National Football League, and it's very clear that this Iowa coaching staff is not going to put you there if you play those two positions. That's my major major point going into tonight. I think it's very fair. Um, I, by the way, I, I have 16 offensive lines off the top of my head that I think from the Ferentz era are better than this one, and it's probably okay. more. Okay. Um, so I'm, I'm, just, I'm accurate then with my oh, assessment. Ab- absolutely. A- absolutely. Um, yeah, I thought Scott Docterman today uh, for The Athletic in his column after the press conference, uh, he had a really good column. And there was one thing in it that really – I mean, it's not surprising to me since I've been talking about Iowa's receivers are the nation's leader in running wind sprints since I was doing sound the off. infamous I column. I remember the yeah. Hockey Nation column today. Yeah. Like it was yesterday. I mean, I, I, this was probably like 2011 
2000. I mean, this is a long time ago. Jim Zobel was still alive and he died in the spring of 2013. Right. So I've only been, I mean, I'm, I'm the OG on this topic. And I read something from Scott today that even still stopped me in my tracks. So Iowa, so um, Navy and Air Force, Navy averages 6.3 wide receiver uh, targets per game, 6.3. Air Force, 1.8. Horrible. But what do those two teams run on offense, Chris? <laughs> Triple option, wishbone. Triple option. If they're throwing, they're losing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Iowa's third worst in the country behind only Air Force and Navy. Iowa is targeting receivers an average of 7.8 times per game. And I bet you there are at least 25 teams in college football that average that many targets to receivers per quarter. And Iowa is doing that per game. This and, and Scott's point of his column today, which is an overarching thing that I've been talking about for over a decade, you're not going to get kids to come to your school in the transfer portal at receiver anymore. Not going to happen. I would love to know. This was like the last around. stand, right? Like this was it. This is it. I think you this, this is contract it. you had last year, like this was the shot. Yeah, we're going to redo it. You know, Cade McNamara's quote this spring, I just hope people continue to say that we're going to be the shittiest offense in college football. Please, please keep saying it. Uh, This weekend it was a retweet by Old Takes Exposed because it's a shitty offense. And given the talent that they added, it's worse than last year. Statistically, Cade McNamara and Spencer Petras through four games are damn near in a dead heat. All right? So a lot of y'all a big uh, apology to Spencer Petras. Iowa is a place where quarterbacks go to regress. And that is the truth. And I fought against that for many years. And I had a number of in-year, year-here anecdotes. Well, this is the reason. That's the reason. That's the reason. And I think all those things had validity to them. But it reminds me of the end of the Steve Alford era in basketball. Well, this player transferred because this, this player transferred because this, and this player transferred because this, and that player transferred because that. And all of them, in and of themselves, were valid reasons. But cumulatively, it's a problem. It's a problem. Cumulatively cumulatively now for Iowa football, it's a huge problem. Iowa is even more of a laughingstock nationally now than they've ever been before. And the... AD, the new AD that will be put into place probably in the first quarter, probably in January, and I believe that it will be Beth Getz, and I hope that it is. Whomever it is, your first major move as the athletic director. Hey, welcome new Iowa athletic director, you know, Beth Getz. And Beth Getz's first major move is to rehire Brian Ferentz on a one-year contract to remain as offensive coordinator. That is no confidence. Your fan base will be pissed. It will impact donations to the University of Iowa. And that is a big old turd in a punch bowl as your first thing. Therefore, it will not happen. This will be Brian Ferentz's last year, in my opinion, and I could be wrong, been wrong before. His last year as Iowa's offensive coordinator, ergo, this will be Kirk Ferentz's last year as Iowa's head coach because Kirk will not. Well, will let me not ask you this. Without Brian. Yeah, go ahead. Well, 
Well, fire she's away. not going to fire Kirk Ferentz, assuming it's no. her. We're just we're going no. under this assumption. Right. Would, Hypothetically, I mean, we'll, I mean, does Kirk dig in? How? How? Does Kirk dig in and say, "Hey, we're either bringing Bryant's back or I quit"? Like, you know what I mean? And she'll and you, she you will think say, that's how it goes down. You think that's absolutely one okay, hundred percent, hundred percent. And if I'm Beth, I say, Kirk, your contributions to this university are uh, immeasurable. We greatly, greatly appreciate your tenure and wish you all the best in your retirement. That's what I do, and I love Kirk. This isn't personal. I hate all of this. I hate it all. But the reality of the situation is we moved from disappointment in Iowa's offensive production. They haven't ranked over middle tier in the NCAA since, I think, 2010 or 11. So we've been disappointed with meager to shitty offensive production for over a decade. Now, last year, and for me, it was the year before, I had a post-game reaction show following the first bowl game against Kentucky where they Iowa went 10-4, and four, and I'm like, I'm bored. This is boring. I'd rather not watch this. I mean, t- I'd rather go 8-4 and four and have an exciting team to watch that I feel like every possession there's a chance to get a first down than this shit. What if they go 9-3 and three or 10-2 and two this year and it's the same thing? I mean, like... like I'm not interested. Well, I'm not I know interested. you're not, like... So, I mean, basically, we've come to the conclusion the only way and – th- and this is where, again, I will come full circle with the opinion I had before the Penn State debacle. I mean, you got to ask yourself – got to look yourself in the mirror, Hawkeye, because I, I – again, and I'm more of a you got to look yourself in the mirror, brother, <laughs> and what you going to do when Hawkamania is running wild on you? I'm coming at this. There's a lot of the audience that'll say, well, Williams is an Iowa State guy. He's never going to give Iowa a fair shake. And this is not. It's not true. It's not true. I'm coming at this like from a guy who studies the sport. In the new Big Ten, without the West, like things are going to get a lot more difficult for Iowa. This is not me twisting the knife. This is a reality. And if, again, if they're you the seventh cannot, or eighth best program, they're the seventh or eighth best, eighth best program in the league, just based on what I view program strength, and that isn't even beginning to take into account archaic offense. You're going into that. I I, I don't know, like the whole wipe, because to me, like the only end game here that we're talking about, if nine and three, ten and two is not going to be good enough for Iowa fan, and not every Iowa oh. fan, but in general, like if that if that's not going to be good enough this year. The only end game we're talking about is a complete ouster of the regime. Yeah, because they're not going to change otherwise. They're not going to all of a sudden, Kirk's not going to change and say, we're going to go air raid. Like I said on my Sunday, this is zombie <laughs> raid. This is this is living the walk of the living dead on offense. I mean, when you get four first downs and six turnovers, you have one of the worst time of possessions I've ever seen in, in in my life for my favorite teams. It wasn't quite the worst ever. That happened in 2017 Rutgers against Michigan State. I looked that up in the game. This is horrible. And I've moved good? from disappoint, disappointment to apathy to now I feel like I'm being gaslit every <laughs> summer, every spring. They're fucking gaslighting me, and I don't like that. <laughs> just, just, just... Just keep saying we're going to be the shitty oh. offense. Just keep saying it. <laughs> Dude, I think I Cade McNamara's quotes today from the press conference 
Uh, oh, man, he looked Iowa's defeated. His whole yeah, deal, like, I'm, I'm not I- calling the plays. Yeah, I'm just the quarterback. I'm not calling the plays or doing any of that. Nico Reganey later. I'm not calling the plays. Dude, this ain't what Cade was sold. This isn't what – What about uh, that Caleb, Caleb Brown, Brown kid? He doesn't have sold. a catch, John. He doesn't it's have a catch. It's An- not what Seth Anderson was sold. It's not what any of them were sold. They've been lied to. I don't know any other way to put it. Have they been it's lied to or the parents just don't – do they just not know anything about offense in 2023? Is that possible? I can't – no, I don't think it's possible. I just okay. think this is how Kirk knows how to win, and Kirk still thinks that if he wins 10 games, everyone's going to be happy. And you know what? Here's the thing. I need to say this and clarify. I don't buy tickets to games. I don't make donations to the University of Iowa. Okay? I don't. So – I'm just a guy screaming out here into the ether in Kansas City, Missouri. But this is unwatchable. Billy Love and I were texting this. He's done. He's he's tired of it. Everybody that I know and I communicate with and we're all about the same age, done. Now, I'm still going to watch. I'm still going to do the podcast. I'm still going to give it my best effort, and I'm still going to try to be objective as I possibly can. But it is work now. So one of my par- two parlays of the five that I hit this weekend, one of them, I teased Penn what a, State's what a, line. What a brag. What a way to work that in. Wow. I, I teased the Iowa-Penn State lineup to Penn State minus 19 and a half. And I teased two other <laughs> games up, one of them all, only because I knew Iowa had no effing chance. No chance. I didn't come on here last week and say lock the week. And I don't really like doing that with Iowa because I don't want to piss people off. You know, nobody wants to come well, on here and, and hear, well, the Hawks are going to lose by three touchdowns. Yeah, there's an assumption when you do that. Same with me and Iowa State. It's like, oh, you have information. No, I don't. Like, Matt Campbell You just know steps. when a beat's coming. <laughs> yeah, because I follow it so damn closely. Like, I, I don't. Yeah. And that was what I said to Hassel. I don't know if you paid attention to our show on monday but i i have to admit i've been like totally flip-flopping on opinions i've had in the past here but if i'm an iowa fan like this year for and i know this sounds crazy to some this sounds crazy to me as an iowa state guy because i kill to have my team play in a championship game again it was an amazing experience down in dallas a few years ago even though they came up short it was amazing i don't think i want that this year if i'm iowa because it's not going to look any different than what you saw on Saturday night. It's just nope. not, you know, I and agree. like I, a couple of years ago, the Michigan one, I'm like, absolutely. You should want to play in that game. You should always want to play for a championship. You're, you're just this away from, from winning, you know, anything could happen. I, I don't believe that right now with Iowa, when it comes to these elite teams. Now y'all may go and you're going to beat the crap out of Michigan state on Saturday. And then, you know, Rutgers is going to come to town and like those games that you, you're going to be able to coast to those, but it's become such a punchline like this Iowa thing. Like, I don't think I want to even be on that stage in this actual scenario. No, I, I didn't want Iowa there last year, but the alternative meant losing to Nebraska to not go. So I, I wanted them to win because I don't want them to lose to Nebraska, but here's the deal. You're right. And part of what I was saying earlier about I don't pay for tickets and I don't I don't like donate. They sold out every effing game. 
All right. They sold out every game this year, again, after last year. I bet there was a lot of people saying, I'm not going to do that again unless there's some significant changes. Enter the gaslighting. Cade McNamara, Iowa goes in the NIL and gets a really you know capable quarterback. All right, fantastic. Pick up a couple of offensive linemen in the transfer portal. Get a couple, two, three receivers in the transfer portal, sprinkling a little love all over the place. Get an all, you know, first team all ACC linebacker. Okay, this is going to be great. We're just reloading. Here we go. We're actually going to have a fun offense now. No, it's abysmal. And that's the, where the anger comes from. And that's where I wonder next year if people are like, I'm done. Well, what's the I'm answer? And it may like, not what be. are you going to do at quarterback next year? Is it Levis? Like, uh, it's probably going to be uh, Marco Linez or how? Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Name. I forgot about him. The guy is yeah, you, got the, yeah. you got the skid loader and Deacon Hill and all that. I don't know, Chris. I can't even I can't let myself go there because I just I can't I don't want to experience another season of this. And there's still eight or nine or ten games left in this season. And Bob Stoops, take your call. Uh, Mine? Iowa's maybe to talk to him, but I mean, the only way I do Bob Stoops is if LeVar Woods was the coach in waiting and, and, and Bob Stoops was coming in for a couple, two, three years, but then how do you, you can get recruited against for that. So no, I I wouldn't call, I wouldn't call Bob Stoops. I I would hire, I would hire LeVar Woods. I would. I think LeVar Woods, I think Kirk Ferentz runs a really good program. I mean, it's a really buttoned-up professional system. LeVar's been with Kirk Ferentz for two decades. He played for him. Mm-hmm. And I think a number of current Iowa assistant coaches would be on LeVar's staff. I don't know Do if Phil Parker would. Maybe he's in. Yeah, I would. I Because w- here's the thing. I want somebody to coach Iowa that knows how hard of a job it is. Bobby Stoops? Uh, and in le- Yes, but I don't think I don't. Why would Bob Stoops do that? I'll tell you why. And then because these guys like to come full circle, and in this era, Bob Stoops takes over the Iowa job, and it's not a rebuild. It's not okay. It's if not, I could have him for five years, sure. But like my point is, Stoops could come in and sign thirty transfers in the offseason, and y'all are ranked in the top twenty-five. Like it, it not a rebuild because I was not down. But like my point is, it's just a we're not program building anymore. Pay him six million dollars a year with your Big Ten money. You know the what the money that's left after the lawsuits. Sorry, that was totally a cyclone jab, but I I had to. Truth, dude, I didn't flinch. Um, no, but I'm serious. Like, I feel like that's one thing that maybe Stoops would be like, yeah, you know what, like. That's the one challenge I would take in my life is to go back home and and take over for Kirk, his buddy Kirk. I don't know. Just or maybe it's he's gonna program. be pissed off because of the Brian situation too. I don't know. I just think it out loud. No, I, I don't I don't see that. Listen, if I knew I could get Bob Stoops the best of Bob Stoops for five years, okay, I'd do that. Um, I just don't know. But you, your point on the program rebuilds, and I mean, Iowa's program is still in good footing. If they win eight, nine, yeah. ten games this year, it's still <laughs> exactly. in good footing. This isn't a tear. This isn't a tear down. This is so. You and Chris on Monday top brought up Wisconsin, and Wisconsin, and you used the word trajectory. That Wisconsin is on an upward trajectory. They are. I've watched all their games this year because I have envy big time. Of they Wisconsin. are a different team now than they were in week one. They are and. To me, 
seeing this, if their offense continues to ascend and they piss pound Iowa in a couple of weeks, which may happen, then there is no, no defense of what Iowa continues to do on offense because I thought that was going to be stupid and that they were going to pay a big price that big of a that big of a philosophical change from what they've been for 30 years. You know what? I'm clearly past my prime. I can't analyze this stuff anymore because I think I'm drawn too much on old days and how things were to myself, the things I blame Kirk for doing. Wisconsin is doing the damn thing. Now, their defense isn't up to the standard that they've been the last decade or more with a few exceptions. So defense isn't quite there yet. But that offense, you can still run out of an offense with Mike Leach spreads of your offensive lineman and – do it all the you time. Can, I think you can run out of that more successfully. I've only been saying that since I've done sound off, which I haven't done in 11 years. Run out of single formations, spread it out, and that helps you to run easier. I just, Iowa never, ever does it. I have to apologize to our audience because this is the 10th time I think I've referenced this in two weeks, but I've done it mostly with Iowa State because Ow, we're, we're, we're start, starting to have the same problem over here, if you haven't noticed, John. With the offensive stuff, like yeah, yeah, this isn't exclusive to you guys. You guys aren't the only ones with a with a reason to bitch over there in Eastern Iowa. The like the number. So do you know what Leach did? It the first thing he did with his stat guy or whoever at halftime of every game during his coaching career. He wanted to see how he wanted the distribution of players that touch the ball in the first half on offense. He didn't hmm. care about run, pass, you know, percentages, nothing like that. He only cared about who touched the ball, how many times. Why? You ask? Because I am curious. Make, why? Why do you do that? Because it makes it more difficult on a defense if you know that the entire field is a weapon, right? If every player on the field is participating. Think about that method. The greatest offensive mind of my lifetime in Iowa's offense with the wide receiver situation that you have going on right now. Just think about how ass backwards that is. Yeah, it, it's 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 re, it's absolutely ridiculous. And I want to pull something up here real quick. Make sure uh, I think I can do this, which I could have done last week. Uh, can you see my screen or no? You, I think, I think, I think. Here we go. go. So there this, we go. This is something. This is something I tweeted today. Retweeted. This is a Mike Leach quote for those of you listening. There's nothing balanced about 50% run and 50% pass because that's 50% stupid. <laughs> now, what is balanced? Now, what balanced is is when you have five skill positions. If all five of them are contributing to the offensive effort in a somewhat equal fashion, then that is balanced. And that is to your point. And yeah, dude. Yeah, I love Kirk Ferentz. I will always have an immense level of respect. I wish I could have played football for him because I think there would have been a lot of great life lessons to learn, and I'm envious of those who got to. But every single thing, everything that is a carbon-based life form, every business that exists today, every school, every building, at some point in time, it will not exist. Everything comes to an end. I think that we are there with Kirk. I hate it. I hate it. And again, I could be wrong. I thought it was the end in 2014, and here we are nine years later. But how, how does the fan base respond if, if they're nine and three, though? Like overall, like it, like, and that's the big thing. Maybe, maybe there may be 
more people out there that are fine with nine and three and they don't care how they get there because and I think those people are probably older than me. People that live through Frank Lauterbur uh, in the seventies and the 19 consecutive years of non-winning seasons that Iowa had from the early sixties until Hayden Fry arrived. And I think those are, well, it can get worse and you're absolutely right. It can get worse. And that could start happening next year when no offensive skill player not only wants to transfer in to Iowa, but how many of them are going to transfer out of Iowa after this year. And then you're down to, you know, your recruits, which is a hard game to be playing right now because if you talk to coaches, one of the hardest things to be right now is a fringe high school freshman or a fringe high school senior because there's a lot of these guys transferring around that are taking those spots because the game is getting older, specifically in basketball, but it's it's going to start happening right. in, in football too where these coaches now would rather – I mean, look, I always use them as an example, but my guy Scott Drew at Baylor, like when, when he – when they had those epic flops in the NCAA tournament all the time, it's because he had four freshmen out there. Well, now, you know – Drew's got he's got a couple of fifth year guys, he's got a couple of third year guys, he's got a couple of McDonald's All Americans, and he's learned how to roster build, and that's that's what we're seeing across all of sports now. So your your point is well taken, and then you know then it's too late to try and change things up because you don't have the actual talent to do it. Right. Iowa football has the money, but they don't have the system. Iowa basketball has the system, but they don't have the money. So both of the teams that I root for, in addition to the wrestling and women's basketball. How does Iowa basketball not have money? Like collective-wise? They, 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 correct. They can't. They can't have the kind of money because they keep losing guys to Miami. They keep losing guys to other programs. I keep hearing quotes, Fran McCaffrey. He hates the system. It's pay for play. The NCAA effed it up. You're right. They did. All right. Deal with it. Yeah. Deal with uh, it. Go do something about it. Because everybody else is, has three guards in the NCAA tournament that can take it to the rack except you. Not just Fran, pretty much every Iowa coach since you know the 1980s, and that was a very brief period that Dr. Tom had George Ravelin's recruits. It's just frustrating. Well, I think you're going to be able to take it out on Michigan State. If if Iowa loses to Michigan State, then then it's going to be over under over under is like 35 and a half, 36 and a half. I'd take um, the over. One of my well, you know, so we're, I've got a parlay that we'll release on the, the, the feed, the Iowa Everywhere feed this weekend. Uh, the, the Prince is the, the Prince. Prince's three leg parlay. But I've got some of my personal stats that I already made tonight since I was down in Kansas for about three hours. And one of them, I think I have uh, the under on Iowa's second half points of like 12 and a half under. Take the under. I mean, those stats, I know you and Chris talked about them on Monday, but I was texting you guys that the Iowa over under for points. In the for the for the second half was like five and a half, and then it got down to point five, and there were still like ten plus minutes left. I'm like, are you serious? This is a troll. This is a freaking troll. And they you nailed the under, it. It's a you? joke, huh? You played the under, didn't you? I I, I can't live bet because I'm in oh Missouri yeah you're not game. okay. So yeah, and thankfully I, I can't. How live dumb bet. is that? Like, think about that. Just 
just theoretically, like, how dumb is it that if you drive 20 minutes, you can do that, but in the comfort of your own yeah. home, it's illegal? Yeah. Yeah. Seven minutes for me now. And <laughs> think uh, about, it's, think it's about so how dumb. dumb that is. Just how dumb is our country that, that you have to, hey, if I drive across that street, I can do this, but here I can't. Yeah. Right. And anybody. in. And in five minutes in three directions from my house, I can go buy a freaking Cheech and Chong uh, blunt joint because that's legal in Missouri. But it's not legal in Kansas. But Kansas, you can wager, you just can't buy weed legally. (laughs) Everything's all jacked up. It is. It is. All right. Well, good talk. We got to go a little longer than I wanted to because Elise fell asleep watching Bluey next to me. Oh, man. Give Give her a smooch. Put her to bed. Oh, well, she's the best. Uh, appreciate you, brother. This is always a good time. Uh, best of luck on your parlays this weekend. Best you of luck fade? on the Hawkeyes. Because la- 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 last, yeah, last week you told me uh, I was making dumb picks because I was playing the public line. You know what I do, John? In in the NFL, college, it doesn't matter nearly as much. But I, I literally – just go there and I look at the splits and then I bet with the professionals. That's what I do at the NFL. Okay. I don't I cuz I don't try and like go like, well, I like that offensive line matchup against that team. Like no, I I literally look at the biggest splits, pros versus Joes and I just take the pros. And I never look at those things. <laughs> and you're um, better than me. So. And, and, well, I'm I'm winning more this year, but like the Bills and Dolphins were both minus six and a half. I teased them both up to nine and a half. I was that confident. Those turned those are right. good plays. Turned out all right. This week, one of the picks of the three par- three parlay is the Eagles. Uh, I teased it down to like minus seven. It was at eight when I got it uh, against the uh, Commanders in Philly. I I'm sitting there going, "What are we missing here?" Because this thing looks like the biggest gimme. I mean, even last night, I made a straight-up heads-up bet on the Eagles uh, in their Monday Night Football game. That Those divisional dogs are always dangerous. Okay, I'll be back here next week after another double-digit Eagles I'll victory. take Washington in that one. Heads up. Straight up. Okay. How about you and I just do it? We save the juice. I'm in. Let's go. Okay. Deal. All right. Done. All right, brother. He's John Miller. My name is Chris Williams. We thank our friends at Wild Rose Casino and. Jefferson, Clinton, and Emmitsburg for sponsoring Miller and Williams here on Iowa Everywhere. Iowa Everywhere.